Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sesternino, and I am so excited to begin our Game Changer Expert Preview Series of Podcasts. We need a catchier name. I'll figure it out as we're going along, but I'm so excited because we have a deep dive into each of the 20 Game Changers that you're going to see competing in Survivor Season 34, which is kicking off on March 8th. So we have a lot of time still on the calendar. So what we're going to be doing is in this podcast series, I am going to be dropping on you one of these deep dives, which is going to feature two parts in each episode. So you're going to hear about two players most of the time. In the cases of Tony and Sandra, I have two parts about each Sandra and Tony they're going to get their own standalone episodes because there's so much content to cover there. But all in all, we're going to get close to about 20 hours of extended preview coverage for this new season of Survivor. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear all of these interviews that we've been recording. Now, we recorded these interviews over the break, so we gave people a chance to go back and watch the seasons that you're going to hear. So any of the stuff that we're getting now from all of the interviews that were done on location, none of that is going to be factored in. So when we talk about who's playing with who, we're really just taking a best guess based on information that we know and stuff from their season. So today, we are going to be hearing about two of our game changers. First off, we're going to hear about Zeke Smith from Adam Ritta, who went back and did a deep dive into his game. And then we're going to be hearing from Will Simon, Will from America, he is going to be talking to us about Haley Ford in this part. And we're going to be dropping a new episode of this series every Monday, Wednesday, Friday along the way over these next couple of weeks. Before we get started, let me just thank some people. First, let me thank Ali Giancola, who really helped me organize all of this. I think we got over 200 submissions from people when we asked you guys to apply to be survivor game changer experts on these 20 players. And she went through all of the applications. Allie looked at so many of your videos and listened to all of the stuff that you sent in. We sat down and made our final selections and I, we could not have been this organized in getting this all set up so quickly without the help of Allie Giancola. So thank you so much, Allie. And also a huge thank you to the patrons of Rob Has a Podcast, which when we started doing Patreon about three years ago, That was really the game changer in my life and especially my life as a podcaster because I don't know how I could have made all of these shows over these last three years without the support from the patrons. And there's absolutely no way that I could have had the time to go and record all of these interviews that you're going to hear over these next few weeks if I wasn't podcasting full time because of the Rob is a Podcast patron. So If you're interested in all in finding out more about the benefits of becoming a patron, right now we have 75 patron-only podcasts that are ready to go. Those are sitting there waiting for you, podcasts that we've done over the last three years. So there's a ton of stuff. If you're ever bored, run out of podcast episodes, know that all that stuff is sitting out there for you. Rob has a website.com slash patron. And again, thanks so much to our many patrons for all of their support over these last couple of years. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this series of podcasts. And I'm so excited for you guys to finally hear what we've been working on. And one other thing, if you want to hear any of our preseason coverage, including all of these game changer expert shows and the stuff that I've been doing, uh, we had a preview with Josh Wiggler. I also released a draft podcast that I recorded back in June of 2016 with Shireen Akiva Winokur and Sarah Chan. And that is available. Also go to Rob 
slash S34. That is the category page for Survivor Game Changers. Rob is a website.com slash S34. You can subscribe to the podcast, Rob is a website.com slash iTunes. And on Monday, we are going to be having another one of our Game Changers drop. We're going to be hearing about Suri and Jeff Varner coming up on Monday. But let's get into my conversation with Adam Ritta talking about Zeke Smith. All right, I'm very excited to talk about one of the Game Changers that we saw very, very recently in Season 33 of Survivor. Perfect for the people that don't have very long memories. We are going to be talking about Game Changer Zeke Smith and joining us today to help us get a better understanding of the game-changing powers of Zeke is our good friend. You've heard him a number of times over the many months of News AF, maybe even on the Spicen Hour. Here is Adam Ritta. Adam, how are you? I'm wonderful, Rob. It's a complete dream come true to chat to you today about Zeke. And uh, look, I am really excited to get down into this game and why I think Zeke is one of the best game changers around. And uh, look, I mean, let, let's just start off by saying like it's a great season. Of course, they're going to bring back someone like Zeke from this season and say, give him a second shot. So, Adam, before we get into Zeke, let's talk a little bit about you. Of course, uh, that people who are listening to the podcast obviously can tell you are Australian. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself before we get into Zeke? Yes, yeah, certainly. Look, um, I'm, I'm from Perth uh, in Western Australia on the west side, one of the most isolated capital cities in the world. And uh, I've been a fan of uh, Survivor from the very beginning. Um, you know, there were Saturday nights where I'd watch it, uh, Borneo, and um, and since then have sort of fallen in love with the game and, uh, you know, sort of drifted in and out of the show, but um, now more than ever very committed to uh, the show. In particular as well, there was a big year of Survivor last year, obviously, with Australian Survivor, and uh, I was very excited to uh, – podcast about that as well. And uh, yeah, I'm just a massive fan and I love strategic moves and I love I love big game players. And I think Zeke is that to a T. So why of all the game changers did you reach out to me and say that Zeke is the person that is your favorite that you most want to discuss for this upcoming season of Survivor? Well, I thought that Zeke was someone who was playing really well in Fiji. He was someone who was at that, uh, you know, that zenith point between Zeke and David, that Gen X civil war. He was someone at the forefront making a lot of the decisions in the tribe. Um, I remember um, at one point I gave Zeke my player of the episode because I thought he was playing one of the best games out. What do you call the Adam Ritta Fishy Award? I just call it the player of the week. I, I, I don't want to take from Fishy, but, uh, uh, you know, because he's got his own thing. But the, the reader equivalent is, is, the, is the player of the week. Okay. All right. Sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. Go on. Look, and I, yeah, look, I just think like Zeke is someone who immediately right off the bat, he's someone who's engaging. He's someone who's interesting. He's someone who, uh, you know, I think we've heard a lot of buzz around the super fan label in the past. And super duper fans. And super duper fans. I mean, you know, this was a season about super fans and super duper fans. And I think that Zeke is one of those people. We saw a lot of big moves. And I think that Zeke is not afraid to make big moves, but he's also not afraid to make the right move. And I think uh, Zeke was someone who was not opposed to uh, working with people outside of his immediate group 
uh, and then, uh, you know, going back on that later on if it suited his game. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about what you did to prep for this conversation today? Because Zeke is a little bit tricky where he just played on the past season. He's a one-time player. We have not covered his season in the evolution of strategy yet. So what did you do to get ready for this? Well, Rob, what I did was I I definitely rewatched the season. So uh, I went through and sort of viewed it from Zeke's lens, which I think is always interesting uh, because I'm someone who normally doesn't do a rewatch of uh, seasons. I normally kind of leave the season as it is and maybe come back to it a few years later. But uh, Zeke on the rewatch to me was someone who – uh, had a lot of control. He was definitely in the driver's seat. He was someone who definitely did a lot of growing as a person as well. And I mean, we saw a lot of the growth edit uh, focused on people like David and Hannah, but I think there was something to Zeke as well. Like Zeke talked about being this Brooklyn guy, not outdoorsy at all, yet we see him in those sort of initial days after that night from hell and one of the worst nights in Survivor history in terms of the weather sort of lead his millennial tribe and uh, build that camp and put it to sort of a position where he can actually live in it uh, and sort of start to take control in those earliest ages. And we didn't get to see too much of that. Yeah, that was kind of the main takeaway, I think, was that Zeke was really more of a leader in the traditional sense, but it wasn't something where people saw that straight away. So when you went back and did the rewatch, did you find any things that we didn't really talk through from the first viewing of the season? I think one thing we need to realize is that Zeke is probably one of the best narrators I've seen in Survivor. He has a really interesting perspective about how he narrates the game. And I want to bring Jeff Probst into this as well, because I think Jeff had a similar take because he said that, you know, Zeke is a people person and he's a really good storyteller that has an interesting point of view. And he has an entry point that I've never heard before. And I really got an understanding of this as I rewatched it. Uh, Zeke was someone who every time they'd come back from a challenge, it would, you know, they'd go to Zeke and they'd ask him questions about what's happening around camp. And I think that Zeke really was able to frame it and say that, here are the people in control. Here are the people that we're targeting. Here's why I'm targeting those people. Uh, and I think that um, from a production standpoint, that's probably why they loved Zeke and asked him back on Game Changers. Do you think there's a correlation between being good at the game and being a good narrator? Uh, well, I mean, you'd have to ask Jonathan Penner that because, I mean, do we think I mean, Jonathan Penner has been able to sort of I think as that prime example of a narrator, he's been able to go far in the game, but he hasn't been able to convert that to a win just yet. Uh, And I think that um, I think being able to be a good narrator is indicative of someone having a good social game, because I think if you're able to be eloquent and uh, not be so socially awkward in a confessional, then you might be able to do that in an actual game scenario. And that might allow you to, influence and curry favor with people. And I think that that's what Zeke does really well. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it can mean that you're a good player, but it does not necessarily mean just because you can talk well in confessional doesn't mean that you know what everybody else is doing. I beg your pardon. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But what else did you see when you went back and looked at Zeke besides the narrating? Uh, another thing I saw was that, like, we really had this uh, initial sort of story about him being that fish out of water in his own tribe. He was kind of like the daggier, older dad of the tribe 
which was so funny because he wasn't even, I, I don't think he was even the oldest person on the Millennial Tribe to start off with. I mean, even Mari was older than Zeke, but he felt that um, he was someone who was like just rolling his eyes at all these cool kids. You know, we had the Triforce of Power uh, or lack of power um, there. but And so Zeke's kind of rolling his eyes and feeling like a bit of a misfit, which I think probably echoes the experiences that Zeke has had throughout his life. Um, and he sort of carried that with him to start off with. And then only after the sort of first initial days when he figured out where he was, he was then able to start to exercise some of that control and make those meaningful links with people like Adam and Hannah that ultimately, I mean, ultimately undid him in the game, but also really got him quite far in the game. Yeah, how so? Well, I think they got him far in the game because it allowed for him to uh, make those moves against people uh, like uh, Taylor and uh, Figgy. And uh, I think as well, like, by those three sort of banding together, I think something really interesting on the rewatch that I found was, so Zeke, they all come back from the swap and they've all been on different tribes. Adam's been on Takali, Zeke has been on Vanaka and Hannah has been on Ikabula and they all come back and they've all got different information and they're all kind of, it's like a meeting of the minds. It's like a Survivor Summit, if you will, mm-hmm. but we already had the Survivor Summit. Right, let's not talk about that. No, let's not talk about that. But this was a real good Survivor Summit where like they're all coming in with the information, they're all able to sort of uh, talk about their experiences and they're all able to use that information and congeal and then start to realise now who do we want to pick off in these initial sort of merge stages. And that's when they make the move on Michelle. That's when they make the move on Taylor. That's when, like, Zeke sort of enacts his revenge and he uses his links with the Gen X tribe to do that. When you went back and watched this, where where did you see the biggest problem ultimately being? Was it that he turned against Chris? Was it that he went after David too soon or was it something else? I think Zeke acknowledges that it was going after David too early. I think that is the is the predominant. And I think Chris is the is the first part of the move that probably undid him uh, and then going after David as well. But I think, um, I mean, like... Looking at even like Ponderosa, you know, Zeke arrives at Ponderosa and Chris is so angry at Zeke. It, it was some really something to be beholden where uh, Chris was really annoyed and frustrated at the move. And Chris was like, you know, I know I got you. I was going to back you up. And I think that, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, then, of course, you probably didn't want to vote out Chris at that point. But I think... Um, it was really tough to convince people a little bit closer to him at the time, people like your Adams and your Hannahs, to uh, want to keep Chris around, especially when they were making they'd already made links with people like Jessica and David. What does Zeke do with that information moving forward into another game? Do you think that it's the kind of thing where he ends up coming in wanting to play more conservatively, where he says, okay, I shouldn't make a big move that early in the game. I should wait. Or does he feel like that he should be even more aggressive and get rid of the Davids before he has a chance to get things going back against him? I think it will depend on how Zeke perceives some of these game changes. Like, I think Zeke might actually go the other way and sort of say that like he'll want to keep some of the more quote-unquote dangerous players around and he might just sort of go for easier targets to start off with. I do think he might play a little bit more conservatively. I think it's one of those things where... I mean, we've seen this uh, happen when players have played back-to-back, Rob. They really don't change their game 
too much. I mean, we look at someone like Russell who's done it. He played the exact same game going from Samoa to Heroes versus Villains. And we look at Malcolm who went from sort of Philippines to Caramoan. He also kind of played a really similar game the second time round. Uh, I think there isn't too much time for him to sort of reanalyze and be like, well, maybe I shouldn't have done this and maybe I should have done that. And I think Zeke will sort of slot in somewhere, but I think Zeke will play more of an under-the-radar game uh, to start out with in Game Changers. How much do you think Zeke is ultimately going to be affected by Adam winning the game, where Zeke at the final Tribal Council asks Adam about the way that you played the game, how did you contribute to the evolution of strategy? What a great question, a fantastic (laughs) question from Zeke, one of the best. And Adam talks about his strategy of using bigger targets, this idea of meat shields ahead of him. He wanted to keep a David in the game. He wanted to keep a Jay in the game. Do you think that Zeke takes any part of Adam's game with him into season 34? Oh, without a doubt, Rob, I think I think you yourself have mentioned in the past how uh, the winner of that person's season, when they come back, they do try and emulate or they do try and play like that person. And I think uh, Zeke really respects Adam's game and can see uh, a lot to take from that uh, going into game changes. So I, I could see someone like Zeke, uh, you know, working with people like Brad Culpepper, like, you know, having maybe something like a football connection with Brad Culpepper and keeping him around as a perceived meat shield or or even someone like Ozzy who is that perceived challenge threat. I could see him keeping some of those players that in Zeke's mind he might perceive as dumber and might be a bit more malleable. But I don't think Zeke will want to keep around strategic threats that match him in the game. Yeah, so are those things at odds where Zeke might be walking away from millennials versus Gen X and feeling like it was people like David who were his biggest adversaries in the game. But then Adam is talking about how he won the game by keeping a David around until the end because he was able to move further along and not be seen as much of a threat. How does he reconcile those things? I think he reconciles those things, Rob, by sort of saying that, like, Adam also, let's not forget, Adam brought Ken around too, and I think this was a big part of Final Tribal, where Adam sort of talks about how he brought someone that could win challenges too. That was a part of Adam's game. So I think Zeke could uh, perceive someone like bringing Ozzy to the end and because he thinks that, you know, he could probably run rings around Ozzy in a Final Tribal Council situation. Uh, And I could see that Zeke could bring those meat shields around a little bit more also think there isn't really anyone on uh, this uh, season that is like David. And I don't think there is someone who is in that super fan mold, that strategic mold besides Zeke. So that might affect how uh, he chooses to play, where he might not even be able to have a sort of Gen X civil war with someone who is exactly like him or similar to him because I don't think there's anyone similar to him on the cast. What about the flaws in Zeke's game? What do you think are his biggest weaknesses as a player? I think for him, he's not emotional enough. And I I think he acknowledged this in his exit interview with you, Rob, as well, was that he uh, definitely was able to get along with a wide variety of people, but he uh, had trouble connecting on an emotional level because he is not a very emotional person in general. He's very logical. He's very strategic. And uh, I think with this particular group, there are going to be people that will play more emotionally and, you know, 
think about what it means to maybe their survivor legacy, not legacy advantage, survivor legacy. Yes. Um, so I think um, that might be the downfall in Zeke's game is that he needs to identify those players that play a little bit more like that and sort of match himself to those players uh, in terms of how he deals with them socially. If he gets a little bit too more condescending, uh, because I think one of the main takeaways I got from the rewatch is that he does have the ability to come across as condescending to some people. I think the Will vote is a great example where Will uh, felt that he was being talked at by Zeke. And I think Zeke can have that tendency. And I think that's maybe just born out of his uh, circumstance, being someone who is, you know, very well learned, went to Harvard, uh, you know, lives a great life in New York. That um, could be a little bit of a know-it-all-esque attitude uh, on the island. And again, what do you? What is that supposed to mean? Oh well, I mean, being a know-it-all is a great thing, uh, Rob, but uh, it doesn't win you the game of Survivor, unfortunately. How do you think that Zeke is going to handle all of these big personalities? Because I do think that the history of these all-star seasons is that there's a lot of fighting for the camera time. And I do feel like that there's a lot of people who are big personalities and they do tend to try to ratchet it up when they're, Hey, I'm back again. So now I'm really going to, you know, get bigger in terms of my personality and maybe playing it up for the cameras. How's that going to play with Zeke? That's a good question. I think Zeke is probably going to actually downplay it a little bit because I think, um, there might be a perception coming uh, into this as an unknown player that um, they might want to target him right off the bat. So I don't think Zeke is going to come out with this massive bombast and and blast people at Tribal Council right off the bat. And I don't think he really did that initially to start off in his game either. It was really only towards the merge did we start to see Zeke sort of perk up. And I think um, Zeke is going to be more than willing to let those uh, bigger personalities take centre stage to start off with and then kind of figure out where he uh, slots in in the tribe. Because I think, you know, playing as an unknown player, you've got to look at it from like, well, these people don't know anything about me, so I can't come out all guns blazing because that's going to be perceived as such a threat right off the bat because people are going to question why Zeke is there, why is he selected, what did he do in his original season. So I think that's how Zeke would want to frame it going into season 34. Yeah, I think that's such an important concern for him in terms of people are going to look at him and we know that Zeke is not a person like Russell Hans. A few people are exactly like Russell Hans, but I think that that's probably going to be the concern of why did they bring this person back after he just played? What does he do? What is it about this person? How does he offset those concerns? I think how he offsets those concerns right off the bat is, well, what I think is a big uh, boon in his favour is that he is so sociable uh, right off the bat. So I think he'll be able to actually build up genuine relationships and make those friendships with people right off the bat. And um, this is another thing that I really got on the rewatch is that Zeke is no slouch when it comes to these challenges right off the bat. Zeke is someone who performed uh, and and it wasn't just performing in puzzles, Rob. It was really across the board. And and even in those individual challenges, he was really underestimated and he was right up there in terms of the top finishers. Despite never having one individual immunity, I think he could be someone that could go into that merge situation and, and be a massive threat. So as long as he's able to downplay that and sort of, I mean, you know, in his own words, Zeke is that the pudgy gay guy. And I think he'll come into 
game changers as that fun-loving, pudgy gay guy that no one's really going to want to target right off the bat unless they start to figure out if he's in control, how in control he is and how super strategic he might be perceived. And he has home field advantage too. He just played in Fiji. He knows these Fiji streets, Adam. He does. He's, he, you know, he's moved from the main streets of Brooklyn to the, to the main streets of the Manamuka Islands. And I think, I actually do think that's a real advantage too, that we don't really talk about when players play back to back. I don't know if it really, uh, I mean, it could help Zeke find things like a hidden immunity idol, uh, we know that Zeke was very unlucky uh, in season 33, but I think that that might allow him to, uh, I mean, he's not playing with people like David and Adam, but he is playing with people who are good at finding idols. So I think that might allow him to do better this time. I think there's also a comfort level where you've already been to this place and you sort of like know what the foliage situation is like. I know not every tropical island, even though it looks very similar on TV, is exactly the same. So you know sort of like, you know, what are the, you know, fruit trees that are that you're looking for and stuff like that. So I don't think it's a big deal, but I think that just the familiarity might help him a little bit be more settled uh, as a second time player where he has people that are like third and fourth time players there. Definitely. And I, and I think that is something to consider as well. Like, I mean, Zeke is someone who yeah is going to come back with not that much experience compared to the second, third, fourth time players. And so uh, any sort of advantage he can have by terms of the location is, is going to allow him in those initial days to find his footing a lot quicker. Adam, do you know how much time Zeke actually had in between when he gets voted out of the game in Millennials versus Gen X to when he starts playing in Game Changers? Uh, my understanding was that it was a couple of weeks. Okay. So uh, not much time to really prepare at all. Uh, and so, yeah, it is one of those things where you kind of thrust back into it, really, and there isn't much chance for Zeke to, like, you know, re-bulk up again and eat a whole bunch of food. I mean, even though something interesting, Rob, is that he only lost 11 pounds uh, while he played the game of Survivor, which is actually probably quite low uh, compared to some other people in the past. So I think Zeke is probably entering season 34 in a similar shape uh, than he was in season 33, obviously ignoring the fact that he's been starved for 30 days as well, sort of before starting this game. Adam, what are some misconceptions that people have about Zeke in terms of how the fans view him? Uh, I think that Zeke is perceived as a bit of a villain, Rob, uh, which is funny uh, because I think that... um, I think it's the mustache. I think it is the mustache too. I think it is the mustache and I think it's this sensibility of him, you know, he even said it himself. He's like, I'm like the old single at uh, at a Miami retirement mixer. Like he is someone right off the bat, you look at him and you're like think, oh, he doesn't look 28. And I think that in our society, Rob, as well, I think if someone doesn't necessarily look their age, it's a little bit suspicious. It's hard to put my finger on it, but it is that thing of like you look at Zeke and you're like, you don't really exude that youthful nature that I expect a 28-year-old to have. But um, And maybe that's why uh, people have that immediate distrust of him or might perceive him as a villain. And especially in the fan community that sort of values, you know, typical uh, ideas in our society of what we value is like someone who's strong physically or someone who, you know, looks like Ken uh, right off the bat. People value that more looking at at it from a casual perspective than they look at Zeke straight away like, oh, he's got a moustache, he's a bit 
conniving. I don't know if I like that right off the bat. And that's probably the fan perception of Zeke. All right. So as our Zeke expert, what do you think is the biggest thing or two that Zeke needs to be worried about here in Game Changers? Um, I think he needs to be worried about the unknown factor. You know, I think that is that he's an unknown. Yeah, that he's an unknown. Yes. So right off the bat, he needs to make those meaningful relationships and he needs to make himself indispensable uh, in the tribe. Uh, I, I don't know if Zeke is going to sort of play along lines of uh, gender or, uh, you know, as, as we sort of see in those initial votes where it is kind of like the weakest man or the weakest woman is immediately perceived as a target. So, I mean, Zeke has that danger as well where he is playing with a lot of two, three, four-time players. And I believe that the fitness of this group is probably one of the fittest groups of uh, players we've had in a returning season, Rob. And I think that Zeke is on the lower end of that. So that could be an advantage, but it could be something to worry about in those initial stages if one tribe gets into that losing streak mode, they will immediately regress to, you know, that basic strategy of like, we need to start voting out some weak people. I mean, this is game changes. Anything could be different. And I think in an all returning season, you actually do see that that doesn't matter as much. I know that the season is called game changers and we've talked about quite a bit that maybe not the best <laughs> name, but do you feel like, is there something that you could attribute did Zeke actually change the game of Survivor in any way? Rob, I genuinely think, you know, regardless of the misnomer of game changes, I think there is a strong argument that Zeke changed the game in some form. You know, I think to convince five people to want to go to rocks is unprecedented, to borrow uh, another word from the great Adam Scott Klein. I think Zeke allowed... That vote was one of the most pivotal votes in the game, and I think if it goes a different way, uh, if the, a different rock gets drawn, I think Zeke is in the uh, power position and might be able to go all the way through to the end. So I think Zeke was able to change the game because he was able to make five people feel enough uh, paranoia in their game that they would have to go to rocks to allow themselves to uh, continue on in the game. And it's so interesting that the people that voted for Zeke, four of the people that voted for Zeke in that tribal council were the final four. So it's so uh, really interesting that they knew. They knew, like, you know, like if you don't, because if it goes a different way, uh, you know, we might be crowning a different winner of season 33. Yeah. Also, not to mention that the people that Zeke got to draw those rocks, he voted against at the previous vote and blindsided them when he voted out Chris. Yes, exactly right. He was able to go back to people like Brett and Sunday. And I think this is born out of, again, Zeke being able to make those meaningful relationships. You know, we had a great moment this season, Rob at the reward with Zeke and Brett where uh, Brett acknowledges to Zeke that he's gay. And, uh, you know, Brett just, uh, you know, I, I, what I took away from that was Brett was like, I feel so comfortable with you and I, I we're bonding. I want to bond with you more. And here's why I want to give you this information. And that is why I think Zeke is such a game changer is that he's able to elicit this information from people. And he doesn't have to do much eliciting. It's like this case of, you know, he was able to find out that uh, Jay does have an idol in one of the greatest scenes, uh, I think, from the season. Um, and he didn't have to do much probing. He was able to sort of, through his kind nature and through his, like, ability to 
Like you look at Zeke and you might not trust him right off the bat, but once you get to know Zeke, people feel this real warmness towards him and they want to give up information. And I think that is a real strength to his game and why he's a real game changer. Now we know that Zeke is one of these super fans, maybe even a super duper fan coming into this season. How do you think he's going to handle playing with the all-stars that he has watched for many years? Because believe me, it can be a thing. It's not the easiest thing to do to go from playing with strangers to playing with people that are, you know, very impressive former survivors. Yeah, look, and I think Zeke is going to have that level of being a bit starstruck. I think Zeke uh, is someone who has an unashamed love of the game. That's what I really got on that uh, rewatch as well. Like even in his final tribal council speech, you know, he says the evolution of strategy, obviously, but he also says, how did you contribute to the evolution of the world's greatest game? I think Zeke in his heart of hearts believes that Survivor is one of the best experiences you can ever do. And I think he has such a love of the game that it's going to be hard for him to keep that in check, playing with legends like that of Tony and Sandra. And I think uh, what Zeke has in his advantage, Rob, is I want to bring up Survivor Brooklyn. And uh, for those, uh, you know, listeners oh, who might not know, wow. uh, Survivor Brooklyn, Zeke has competed with a game changer before in Survivor Brooklyn. He has competed with Andrea Belke. And um, he played a game uh, of Survivor Brooklyn. You've spoken with the creator, Rob. And basically they go out to uh, Central Park and they sort of play a game of Survivor throughout a day and uh, sort of competing challenges, vote people out, that kind of thing. To be fair, I don't think it was Central Park, but go ahead. That's not Brooklyn. Oh, okay. That's not Brooklyn. Oh, okay. It's not real Brooklyn. Well, see, I'm not a native New Yorker, Rob. But basically uh, I think what was really interesting was that Zeke was uh, someone who voted for Andrea um, at the end. Andrea made it to the end. Spoiler, spoiler alert, Survivor Brooklyn. Survivor Brooklyn, guys, if you uh, really want to get a feel for Zeke's game, watch Millennials versus Gen X. Uh, But um, (laughs) How did Zeke do in Survivor Brooklyn? I I haven't gotten to the part where he gets voted out. He makes the jury, Rob. Um, I think he goes out actually probably in a similar spot to Millennials versus Gen X. um, But he doesn't make any big moves in Survivor Brooklyn. No, he wasn't making as much uh, big moves in Survivor Brooklyn, I think. He was, I think, quite underedited in my view. So technically, um, Game Changers is the third time he's playing. Technically, yeah. I mean, yeah, it is the third time he's playing. Like, I mean, you go from a YouTube yeah. knockoff like Survivor Brooklyn or Australian Survivor to uh, Survivor <laughs> Millennials versus Gen And the second time he's playing with Andrea. Okay, so so yes. he, he votes for Andrea to win at the end? He does. He votes for Andrea to win over a newbie. And um, he also played with Sophie Clark. Yes. Um, and yes. I think Zeke was someone who, I mean, they were all, in my view, Rob, a bit starstruck by Andrea and Sophie. And I think that's why they kept them a little bit further along in the game. They probably didn't want to vote them out right off the bat and be like, oh, these uh, newbies don't want to play with us. But I think what that allowed for him is that I think Zeke has created a meaningful uh, connection with Andrea. And I think Andrea could remember that should they be placed on the same tribe in Game Changers. Uh, and I think that that's probably the main takeaway I got from Survivor Brooklyn is that Zeke, while being uh, a you know someone who's playing back-to-back, he does have a link with someone who's played three times. So I think that's actually going to be a real advantage for him. So did he give Andrea a half Murphy or did he really grill her with a question and then ultimately cast his vote for her. I think he 
you sort of asked a similar question? Like, I think you sort of asked, like, what did you do throughout the game to sort of really... Andrea, what did you contribute to the evolution of Survivor Brooklyn? Pretty much. What did you contribute to the evolution of Survivor Brooklyn? And I think, you know, Andrea, <laughs> this isn't her first time at the rodeo or second. So she was able to really answer that question. Um, I, I, going into that final tribal council of Survivor Brooklyn, I really had it in my mind that I think Andrea was going to win. And she did, she did wins in a pretty much a shutout, Rob. I think only one person votes for Andrew. Um, it's an Andrea versus Andrew, which is not Robert versus Jean Robert, <laughs> but um, it's, it's pretty close in terms of similar names. Yeah. Okay. So there were no votes that were supposed to be for Andrew that went for Andrea. No, no, not to my knowledge. I think they they triple checked to make sure that uh, people were writing down the right name. <laughs> and now this might be a stretch, Adam, but do you feel like that Zeke saw Andrea, who was a returning player, get carried all the way to the end in Survivor Brooklyn? Do you think that that changes the colors the way he sees this game? Or is it because it's all returning players? There's nothing he would do differently. Uh, I think there's nothing he would do differently. And I think Zeke realizes that Andrea doesn't need to be carried, bro. Uh, so she's. <laughs> so um, I never thought I'd quote a Michelle soundbite on the podcast, Rob. But um, yeah, look, I think uh, it is one of those things where Andrea is, I think, someone he'll, he'll get along with. So I don't think he'll be like, oh, she just got dragged all the way to the end. I think. Andrea was someone who played a good game. And I didn't mean to disparage former Miss Survivor, Andrea Belke. No, no, we can't ever disparage a friend of the show, Andrea (laughs) Belke. And I think, um, I really do think they could be a a dangerous pair as, uh, you know, we talk about dynamic duos in Survivor, I think. Zeke and Andrea could be a dynamic duo. If, if a <laughs> T-Bird few things talks about dynamic way. duos. T-Bird, yes, definitely. Let's talk about some other people that could be in, working in Zeke's favor or working against Zeke. So the one other person that he played with was his former tribe mate from the Millennials tribe. Michaela is back. Michaela. Do you think that Zeke and Michaela will work together or do you think that they'll just be sort of like ships in the night? Uh, I think there's probably going to be a tendency for them to be ships in the night because to me, uh, and this might, you know, fully go down to edit of the season, Rob, that, you know, I mean, the Zeke-Michaela relationship wasn't important. So of course they didn't really focus on it. But to me, it seems like while on paper they might have a lot of, you know, might they might be able to get along over a lot of things, they do seem to be quite different people and they come from, like, different backgrounds a lot. And I think um, while they're both sort of hard workers and they like uh, being, uh, you know, people that are perceived as hard workers and are not lazy in a way, and I think that that's where they get along, where they differ is I think they have different outlooks on the game and I think that um, if they were to reconvene at a swap or or start out together, they might view the game really differently and they might be on opposite sides. So give me some people that you think are going to mesh well with Zeke in this cast of Game Changers. All right. Well, right off the bat, I think Aubrey uh, is going to be someone that will get along with Zeke quite well. I think yeah, I agree. Uh, I think, uh, you know, similar to Zeke and Hannah, I don't like to compare Aubrey and Hannah because in my view, I think they are quite different in terms of how they viewed the game. But I think Zeke will get along with Aubrey right off the bat. Um, I think also Zeke will have, you you know, there might be a bit of a football connection with Brad uh, that might be a bit unexpected and it might take people by surprise, Rob. I think 
no one really expected Zeke and Chris right off the bat to have that relationship that they did. And I think that Brad is like a dumber version of Chris. So I think Zeke might, and Zeke might view Brad the same way and Zeke might perceive Brad as someone he can manipulate a little bit more and, and want to try and work with uh, Brad. Why? Just because, just because of the football connection? Yeah, I think the football connection is, is really strong. Like I think um, Zeke can make a real case that he isn't just someone who is like a typical, uh, you know, metropolitan Brooklyn uh, millennial. Like he is someone who has these sort of small town upbringing and is able to connect with, uh, you know, middle America, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and I think, yeah. yeah. So I think that uh, Zeke might surprise a few people in terms of who he chooses to get along with. It could go either way. I really could see it where that Zeke had such a great bond with Chris in Millennials versus Gen X. But was that so specific to the fact that they were both sooner uh, a sooner fan and a sooner player? Will they be able to form the same bond just over a passion for football? Yeah. And I think that is a real question, Rob. I think, yeah, it could be very specific to the circumstances and also specific to who Chris is again, uh, it could go the other way where where Brad is someone who's not that analytical. Like, to me, Chris is someone who was, was very strategic, and I think that that's also part of why they got along as well, not just the Boomer-Sunu connection. Uh, yeah. Hoping I say that right for all the footy f- football fans out there. See, I say footy like I'm Australian anyway. <laughs> um, but I think that is one of those things where uh, Brad is probably someone who's a little bit more traditional in how he views Survivor. And uh, he could slot into something like Ken. Uh, and I think Zeke and Ken's relationship was something where they were way more at odds with how they viewed Survivor. So, I mean, speaking of uh, Zeke, I think Zeke is going to have trouble with those people who aren't strategic, who take things more personally. Those are the people he uh, will not be able to get along with as much. What about Zeke and Ty? How do you think that that relationship is going to go? Well, I think the, uh, I think the, uh, the fact that they are both, you know, gay males is something that will help. Uh, I think that, you know, in the game that you are either are at odds with someone who is so similar to you because you perceive them as a threat should you both make it to the end or you get along with them and you want to see them around and you want to see them stick around because you identify with them so well. And I think Zeke and Ty don't have too much in common, but they have enough in common where they'll be able to get along. Is there anybody else that you think that there would be a uh, specific bond or some sort of friction specifically with another person? Uh, yeah, look, I think right off the bat, I think Zeke and Debbie. I think Zeke and Debbie will be at odds with each other, Rob. I'm calling my shot right now. Okay, why? I think Debbie is going to annoy Zeke to no end. I think Debbie's constant talk of all her various professions, if that continues on in Game Changers, uh, Zeke is probably just going to roll his eyes at it and is just going to be like, this uh, this person is crazy. I can't work with her. So, you know, it's interesting that you bring up Debbie because, you know, I was talking about how sometimes the second time around you see people, okay, oh, this is what worked the first time. Oh, the camera loved this. I'm going to turn up my personality to 11. Debbie could easily be that person in this season. And I wonder if she could give off some sort of Philip type vibes the second time around. And you know, that's not going to sit great with Andrea, uh, certainly not with Malcolm. And you think Zeke would also be annoyed with that? 100%. And, you know, you mentioned Philip and I immediately thought of Philip as well. It is one of those things where 
Zeke really didn't like Hannah's wishy-washy ways uh, from his perception, right? Like, you know, obviously we saw in the final tribal that Hannah was definitively making uh, decisions in her view, but Zeke doesn't like these players who are perceived as wishy-washy, who are non-committal. And Debbie is someone to me in her original season, uh, Rob, who came across as very non-committal. She's probably one of the most wishy-washy players to uh, come back for game changers. And I think that Zeke is not going to appreciate that. And he's not going to appreciate Debbie just playing up to the cameras a little bit more uh, than some other some of the other players who he might idolise a bit more. Like, I think Zeke looks at uh, Ko Rong and I don't think he thinks that Debbie's one of his favourite players. All right, Adam, I have to ask, what about Zeke and Team TV? Zeke and Team TV. Well, you know, I want this to be, I want this to happen, Rob. I'm a, a firm supporter of Team TV and Team Zeke and I want them to work together. Um, I believe they can work together in sort of uh, a little bit of a echoing Matt Spencer, Tony uh, configuration in Cagayan. I think Zeke would respect Tony's game enough that they would be able to get along and probably Zeke would idolise Tony a bit as well. And Tony would react really positively to that. Tony loves being valued for his game. I think coming off Cagayan, you know, a lot of these Super fans or Super Duper fans really valued Tony's game. But I think a lot of the casual fans didn't really appreciate Tony in his game. And I think that um, he will come into Game Changers looking for those people that uh, are more uh, reverent of Tony's game and will want to work with those players rather than get them out. Yeah, I could see Zeke really loving Tony. And I could also see Tony really loving somebody who loves Tony. Yes, without <laughs> a doubt, without a doubt. And I think that that's the good play, to- like, Rob. I think, like... Right off the bat, Zeke might use some of these, you know, these ideas. They're like, oh, I'm just a newbie. I'm just like, yes, I've just played a season, but this has been my dream. Like, he's going to use that as a way to not be perceived as a threat right But I bet that's a red flag for Tony. I I could see him like, uh, and I'm saying to myself, oh, my God, why is this guy out here on this island? I got to get rid of him. I don't know who he is. What did he do? What did he do? Uh, look, uh, look. I think your Tony impression is a little bit better than mine, Rob, but it is one of those things where, look, you are right. It is a, a case where Tony can use those people right off the bat to ingratiate himself because I think Tony needs to know right off the bat he is going to be perceived as a, a real threat to win. Sure. So maybe Tony is going to play a game where he will incorporate numbers a bit more uh, will he will try and play a little bit under the radar to start off with so that uh, someone like a Zeke doesn't say, look, Tony's the biggest strategic threat, let's vote him out. He'll want to work with someone like Zeke and say, no, let's try and vote out some of these fodder people. Like, let's vote out people like Sierra Dawn Thomas, Haley, and Floaters Sarah. get a life vest. Yes, you know, honestly, Rob, I think that, um, you know, perception is a, a big part of Survivor and I think that Tony respects this game too much and Zeke respects this game too much too to want to allow too many floaters to just survive votes. Well, that's the dream. That's the dream. We'll see. It could be a bit of fan fiction too, Rob. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I think that's the nervous part about going into a season like this is that there's a lot of uh, disparate and uh, players across the board. Like there are players that people really love and there are players that really people dislike. And I think the difference between this and... Cambodia is that Cambodia across the board had a lot of strategic players uh, and a lot of likable players across the board. Whereas I think game changers has a real tendency to, it can really go either way. And especially coming off such a great season in perception, 
you know, millennials versus Gen X, we're talking a lot of people think it's a top 10 season. And I think that that's going to be uh, a real uh, difficult part. And it might play into a lot of these players' minds as they think about the moves that they want to make. Adam, any final thoughts on Zeke or anything that you uncovered that you haven't shared with us yet? Uh, Yeah, look, I also want to talk about that, you know, I think Zeke has done a lot of growing through his initial experience. He was someone who I think probably at the start wanted to maybe play very ruthless and cutthroat, and he did do that, and he did leave an impression. Uh, But I think in Game Changers he's going to play a little bit more conservative right off the bat, um, and he's going to learn those lessons from people like Adam who won his season and from someone like David who was his nemesis at one point. Uh, And I think he is going to be someone that goes far in the game. I'm ready to put my lot in with Zeke and say that, you know, he is going to make the merge. He's going to be very dateable. Can he win? Can he win the game? Can he win the game? I think he can win the game. Um, I think obviously Survivor is a lot of luck, Rob, you know, uh, but if the swaps go his way, if he's able to, make the links with the right people. Um, if he's not able, to, uh, if he's able to avoid being that central player, that perceived immediate threat, um, I think Zeke can go very far. I think it's similar to that whole thing of like Malcolm came back and yes, he didn't win, but he again did very well. Uh, Russell came back, back to back. And again, he did somewhat well. He got to the end. So I think, there's really not been an unknown player to come back and just sort of fall by the wayside. And I don't think Zeke is going to be the first. Adam, do you have a hashtag for Zeke and his campaign for Game Changers season 34? Uh, I would say that my hashtag would be, well, I like I like that he, um, in his final tribal council, said, heartiest congratulations, gang. So I think the hashtag for Zeke should be uh, the Zeke gang, if you will. Hardiest congratulations, gang. I love that you had the soundbite ready for me, Rob. I think that uh, Zeke has a little bit of an old-timey way that he talks about yes, things. That yes. he, yeah, he, he's kind of like a little like, I'm, I'm from the 1940s, <laughs> uh, which I love about Zeke. So I think, uh, you know, the Zeke gang hashtag should be the way that we go. The Zeke gang. Okay. Adam, great job. If people want to follow you on Twitter for your insights into Zeke and so much more. What is your Twitter handle? Uh, It's at Adam Ritter. That's A-D-A-M-R-I-D-A. And yes, please tell me uh, all your opinions on Game Changers. Uh, I can't wait for the season, Rob. It's going to be legendary. And if people want to hear you talk about Survivor on podcasts, where do people go for that? Uh, Well, I contribute to the Australian Survivor Community Podcast. Uh, We've been able to do a lot of great interviews for those who are fans of Australian Survivor. We've spoken with uh, a majority of the cast. And so if you search Australian Survivor Community Podcast on iTunes or if you uh, search it on, we're also on SoundCloud for those who are not uh, iOS focused. So, yes, please search Australian Survivor Superfan Community Podcast. And uh, I contribute to that. And uh, I've also recapped Millennials versus Gen X as well. 
Adam, thank you so much. Great job going through everything uh, with Zeke. I'm very excited to see him come back and see uh, what he has up his sleeve uh, the second time around. I couldn't agree more, Rob. I think it's going to be really interesting, and uh, I, I can't wait. Uh, I, I wish it was earlier. Like, why can't it be uh, Look, March already? We have a lot of time to savor it and marinate before we get there. Steven says that's the way to go, okay? We've got to marinate like Mark the Chicken, I think. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't say that. All right. Adam, uh, thank you so much and take care, buddy. You too. Bye. All right. There you go. Game changer expert interview number one in the books. Thank you so much to Adam Ritter. Just as a historical note, Adam Ritter was the first person I talked to when I did these game changer interviews. So I can't thank him enough for being the person who was going to be willing to bite the bullet and be the first person to step up to the plate. So thank you so much to Adam and a great job talking about Zeke. Before we get to Haley, I have a humble request for the listeners of the podcast. There is a survey that Podcast One is asking all of its shows to fill out to help match up our audience with appropriate sponsors. If you could take some time, either when you're listening to the second half of this podcast or any time that might be convenient, it's a survey that should not take you more than five minutes and it is completely anonymous. If you go to podcastone.com, that's podcast O N E dot com slash my survey or go to podcast one.com and click on the survey banner. There is a survey that you can fill out. All you have to do is let them know that you are taking it for. Rob has a podcast, and what this survey is going to do is help Podcast One match up sponsors with the audience of this show so that the sponsors that you hear are the best match for the people that are listening. So once again, that survey is at podcastone.com slash my survey, or go to Podcast One and click the survey banner. And I, of course, I greatly appreciate all the things you do to help keep this podcast going. All right, so we're going to switch gears, and now we are going to go back to talk about Haley Ford from Worlds Apart. I'm going to be joined by Will Simon, Will from America. Here's my interview with Will. All right, everybody, let's go back to season number 30 now to talk about a woman who I'm sure has been closely following the Constitution over these last couple of weeks. But that's nothing new for her because she loves the Constitution, reads it all the time. Here she is back once again, and to talk about the great Haley Ford with me today is a man who you've heard some of his song parodies before on the podcast, but here he is, Will from America, Will Simon. Will. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Oh, uh, very yeah. good. Very good, Will. How are you? I'm great. I think it's only fitting that, you know, Will from America be the one to talk about <laughs> the biggest fan of America itself. America. Yes, America. you'll be Will from America today. That's right. <laughs> as we talk about your girl, Haley Ford. So, Will, before we get into Haley, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself for anybody who may not know you from any of the various uh, sites that you frequent? Yeah, sure. So I'm a big sucks poster. Um, yes. I originally got into RHAP about, about around One World. I just saw the thread over on there about it, and it got really interested, and I finally became a patron uh, last spring, and I've loved it ever since. And Survivor itself, I actually got into, I feel like I have a kind of unique story in how I got into Survivor. I was in Germany when I was six years old, and they were playing Survivor Thailand over there. And it was like in a marathon of it, but for some reason they were playing the episodes backwards. <laughs> <What>? So <laughs> 
I, yeah, I have no idea why. But, you know, after that, just how could you not be hooked if you're watching Survivor Thailand backwards in Germany? Now, was it fun? Did it seem like more more people were showing up at the party? Um, yeah, I mean, I was six years old, so I didn't really have high standards back then. Yeah. You pretty much watch anything, but I was very in- interested in it. So, yeah, wow. What is this show? Where they yeah. kick somebody off and then they, and then, you know, then they're there the next episode. It's amazing. Yeah. And there's another person that I've never even seen before. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. How does this work? Uh, so you mentioned Survivor Sucks. I feel like that Haley Ford, uh, that, that might be where her base lives. Is that fair to say? Oh, I would definitely say so. She's very popular with the clubs that suck crowd, which is just like this subset of sucks, which is, you know, they're very into the um, nice girls archetype i feel like yeah and Haley's one of the best to come out of that trope is there anything that she did specifically that people really connected with her there yeah i mean um early on you know it seemed like she was a pretty normal person but as the season went on we just found out more and more things about her like just her random bringing up of the constitution uh rambling about um america you know, as you learn more about her, she's just a really intriguing person. But her uh, removal from the Dirty 30 on social media has also probably made her the most well-liked Dirty 30 member. That was a point in her favor. Yeah, it's definitely a point in her favor to not be friends with, like, Dan Foley. Yeah. So was there a falling out or she's just not into social media in general? From what I can tell, she's still pretty good friends with uh, Jen which might be a point not in her favor. But uh, yeah, she just isn't really the type of person to be that into social media. She's very humble, very into law school in her career. Okay, so she's an interesting character. Here she is back. And so let's talk about her in Survivor Worlds Apart. Of course, uh, she was a member of the No Collar Tribe and you went back and watched all of these episodes. So Tell me a little bit about what you discovered in your rewatch of Haley Ford. Well, the biggest thing I discovered in my rewatch is that the editors must have really had something against Haley Ford because she did not get much content, which I think is really sad because in a lot of her secret scenes, even, or a lot of her post-game press, she just seems like a really eccentric, bubbly person. But for some for some reason, she just wasn't a big part in the story that the editors were telling. Why do you think that is? Do you feel like, is it possible that she just wasn't talking about the game? She was talking about whatever sort of random things were popping into her head? Yeah, I think she was probably just, you know, talking about unicorns and <laughs> maybe lots of other constitution allegories. You know, talking about how the Magna Carta relates to Survivor, for example. <laughs> yeah. But... I guess that doesn't play too well in TV. <laughs> so in the early stages of the game, uh, she's on the six-person tribe uh, in the no-collar group, and they're going to go to tribal council a couple of times. Uh, how did she factor in with some of those pre-swap votes that they had? Yeah, so before the swap, she obviously connected very well with Jen, and I think uh, that's definitely the her biggest strength is basically everyone seems to like her. She never had any animosity with anyone else even with the nina stuff um where she and jen went skinny dipping and nina felt excluded jen was always the one that was really getting the negative side of that where jen was the one talking about how oh nina is just using her deafness as an excuse mm-hmm. whereas Haley was really trying to make her feel included up to the point where nina was just making it impossible to include her 
So when they have these first couple of votes in that no collar tribe, uh, they, she ends up being part of the group with Jen and with Joe that they go after Vince Sly, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also uh, she's involved in voting out Nina from the tribe. Um, do you, did she get any blood on her hands in those early votes? Yeah, it was really Jen and Joe pushing the Vince vote at first. And it really could have gone bad for them because Will was originally going to vote against Jen with Vince and Nina until Nina just told Will for no reason that Vince was talking about voting Will out. <laughs> so, you know, Haley was always not seen as the one in charge there. The other side was always trying to take out Jen first. So the no collar tribe ends up rebounding a little bit and they make it to the swap with four people left in that tribe. So this is where things really start to pick up because uh, she is still with Will and Jen in the post swap uh, tribe. I don't remember the don't ask me the tribe names of world <laughs> swap. Yeah. But then Shireen and Max and Mama C come over with Kelly who uh, got the thing dropped on her head. And so it's an interesting 3-3-1 split. So how does Haley's game change after the swap? (laughs) Yeah, well, after the swap, she immediately is the one to point out that they need to get Kelly on her side. So as Shireen said in the episode, it was the obvious move to go with. So she at least has a strategic head on her shoulders, clearly. She was the first one to bring up the idea of voting out Shireen and bringing Max in, which I thought was a really interesting idea that they thought they could bring Max into the group after voting out Shireen because Max would feel excluded by Carolyn. And she also had a really interesting quote around this time where she said that her biggest fear right then was Will doing something idiotic and screwing her and Jen over at the merge, which was very (laughs) um, insightful because that's exactly what happened. Yeah, prophetic that she uh, knew that he was going to eventually jump ship and go off to the other side. Soon after the swap happens, uh, we start to get into the Max and Shireen are talking only to each other, seemingly based on what we see on the show. And we start to see that it's Jen and Haley seem annoyed with them. And it's certainly uh, Mama C does as well. So could you talk about how important the social game is for Haley? Yeah, I mean, she obviously did a really good job connecting with Carolyn. Carolyn felt comfortable enough to approach Jen and Haley about turning on Max and Shireen. So I think that's another big strength of Haley's game is that she makes everyone feel comfortable around her. She's not very threatening. Um, Also, after Max was voted out, Haley is the one shown comforting Shireen after the vote and telling her basically how things she did were annoying but she still made Shireen feel like she wanted to work with her. Haley just makes people feel good. She seemed like she got really upset with Max when he put his foot into the cooking pot. Yeah, can you really blame Haley for that? Uh, well, she really did not say, I mean, because she seems like, you know, hey, no collar, you know, nothing bothers me. But that really, yeah. when Max put his wart in the cooking pot, that was it. It was like she was done with him at that point. You got to draw the line somewhere, Rob. You got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah. Uh, She was very upset. I mean, do you think that she's at all like a a bit precious about certain things? Like, do you think that something similar could happen and really make her upset in season 34? Yeah. I mean, is there is there like a Max Dawson in season 34? I guess there's (laughs) Troy Zen could get pretty annoying. 
Uh, well, I, then let's just let's just leave it at we're talking about you know something some some hygiene issue could come up which could uh, really throw her out of her orbit. Is that possible? Yeah, it's always a possibility. I mean, she didn't have a problem with uh, you know getting naked on Survivor, and Max didn't either. Yeah. Well, okay. So they had that in common. So. Yeah. Going back, it was around this point where she gave us the quote. Certainly, she's the most famous for here in this podcast where we play this a lot back in season 30, where she said in a secret scene about the rules to Survivor are. Don't be a weirdo. Don't be annoying. Don't be inconsiderate. You'll do okay. Which I said, those are pretty good rules, Will. I feel like that that is a, a, a strong philosophy to go into Survivor with. Yeah, and I have trouble like maintaining any of those rules in my everyday life. So (laughs) the fact that she knows that it's going to be on already doing better than I would. I hear you, Uh, especially in an all-star season. I feel like that these rules are doubly true. Weirdo. Don't be annoying. Don't be inconsiderate. You'll do okay. Right. I mean, you don't want to pull a Monica Padilla and get all uppity about clams. How are we going to kill all the clams from the ocean? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's something that could definitely uh, be a problem if you end up uh, pissing off Kimmy at any point. But I do feel like that she is set up well here going into this. If she can stick to those rules that she laid out, don't be a weirdo, don't be inconsiderate, don't be annoying, you'll do okay. I I think that that should be, once again, her motto. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, it's kind of become a joke at this point that in an all-star season, you want to bet on the most random returnee female. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, it holds true. It's a joke for a reason because the people that, uh, in the Kelly Wentworths of the world, they always, they always go far, even if they don't win. We've definitely seen it happen a lot before, but what we have seen happen in those cases, I feel like is the person comes in that we've underestimated and then they come in pretty hungry and are willing to make some moves in the case of the great, Amber Burkich, or in the case of Kelly Wentworth, do you feel like that Haley is going to come back hungry, or do you feel like that she's going to come back and be like, yeah, whatever? Yeah, whatever, man. I think she's going to come back hungry enough. See, we've also seen it in things like Shireen or Monica Padilla, where you come back and overplay. Mm -hmm. And uh, the people that are that invested in the game, they are willing to do anything, and it becomes off-putting to everyone around them. And mm-hmm. Haley's with Haley's strength being that she makes everyone around her feel so comfortable. I think having that, yeah, man, whatever, like attitude is going to really help her. So let's get to uh, her game once they get to the merge. Of course, uh, this is when she is one of the people pushing uh, with Mike Holloway for the America tribe name from yeah. season 30. And yeah. somehow... Her and Jen end up uh, in the wrong side of the numbers. I think at that first vote, it's her, Jen, Joe, and is it Shireen that are on the wrong side of that first vote? Yeah. Well, I guess I guess Jen the right side. Idol. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> Wait, do you want to talk a little bit about the Merch Tribe name? Because it's just so hilarious to me. Sure. So Shireen has revealed in more interviews that it was really Haley that was pushing for the name to be America, which honestly... I love the Merch Tribe name America, Rob, because as you've said many times before, it's stupid for the Merch Tribe to even have a name. Just call it the Merch Tribe. (laughs) It's not a tribe. It's an individual game. So make it as ridiculous as possible. It's fine with me. That's that's fine. 
Uh, do you think that she has something else up her sleeve? What will be the merge tribe name in season 34 if Haley Ford has her way? Who knows? You know, just take all the other countries. Mexico. <laughs> Alpha yeah. Africa. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's some new version of America. Could she do some sort of a sequel? Yeah, I don't know. Could she take the M off and just be have it be Erica? Ooh, Erica. <laughs> that could be good. Is there been a survivor Erica? I feel like that's a name. You'd... Maybe there's somebody who's coming in like and wants to name the merged tribe after their mom, like Malcolm did that one time. And so maybe Ooh, yeah. there's like somebody's mom is named Erica and they're going to be, oh, I like that. That's good. See, I bet Haley's mom's name was Erica. And she had this plan the whole time. Where she's like, okay, first time I'll take the first letter off America. Next time it'll make sense. <laughs> All right. Hashtag Erica Ford uh, is in the mix. All right. So uh, <laughs> at that first tribal council after the merge, Jen is going to play the idol, which saves them from this uh, blind side that's coming against them from that big block of seven. So they're able to get Kelly out. Did Haley have anything to do with any of the strategy going on at that point in the game? Yeah, at that point, Haley was involved in the conversations to bring Tyler over to their side. And they thought they had Carolyn on their side. And it seemed like, you know, that white collar duo was really the ones in the middle. And it's still a little unclear why exactly they alienated uh, Tyler and Carolyn so much. Who knows, Will? Who knows? <laughs> we have to wait for them to get brought back so we can do a deep dive into Mama C, baby. Yeah, we need the Carolyn expert up in here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then after that, uh, they get back from camp. Um, Mike's telling her Savage, precursor to Andrew Savage getting idled out. <laughs> Mike, very prophetic. Um, but she's really pushing for the girls' alliance with Sierra at that point. And it, as she talked about in her exit interview with you, at that point, they still believed they had Will on their side. After they came back to camp, Haley apparently thought that Will was the vote against her, but then Joe talked her out of it, which is kind of ridiculous because then they all got back into thinking that Will was with them, even though there are only four votes against Kelly. That seems like a big blind spot to not know that Will has flipped and voted against yeah. them at that vote. It seems like, were did he dupe them or were they just being pretty oblivious? Uh, not great, Rob. <laughs> not great. Not okay. great. Uh, that is definitely a weak spot in her name is numbers. Counting. Yes. All right, so take us through what's going to ultimately be her boot episode here. So they're trying to get the women together. Is she the ringleader on this? Is it Shireen? Um, it was really Haley pushing the girls' alliance. You know, she had Sierra. Apparently, they had, like, a rock that uh, she would sit on with. Um, she would sit on this rock with uh, Sierra, Jen, and Carolyn. They called a ladies' couch. And ladies they would couch. just yeah, a ladies' couch. Not a ladies' pouch, a ladies' couch. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so she seemed really into it. And I feel like that's probably something we'll see in her return to Survivor. But I'm not sure if the girls. The ladies' with, couch or the women's alliance? Uh, either one. Take your pick. <laughs> well, that, it's a really interesting point that you bring up, Will, because we're talking a lot in these interviews of, okay, we've got this person. He's probably going to want to bro down. You have this person. He's going to want to bro down. And it seems like that that's a theme. A lot of these guys are going to want to do an all yeah. guys thing. But here we have Haley Ford, who at least at one point tried to get together an all women's thing. Do you think that she sort of put her hand on a hot stove and was like, okay, 
that's not going to work? Or do you suspect that she's going to come back out in season 34 looking to reassemble the women? Well, I don't think it exactly was like, oh, my mistake was that I tried to make a girls alliance. It wasn't like she was targeted for for doing that or anything like that. It was really just, oh, Sierra likes to work with terrible human beings. I'm not going to trust Sierra this time. Do you suspect that she might be trying to do that as a strategy of working with the women this time? Uh, I definitely think it's the most likely scenario, mainly just because uh, she seems to bond more easily with women. And you're always going to work with who you have a better relationship with. Seems like other than Joe, uh, it did seem like that most people she got along with in the game were women. Yeah, she had a little relationship with Mike, I guess, that she touched upon more in your exit interview. But yeah, other than that, you know, she was close with Shireen. Uh, She was never really close with Vince or Will. So working with the men is probably a weakness of hers. So at the point that she was going to go out of the game, did you feel like that she's getting pretty feisty? Is she showing uh, some fight? Or do you feel like that she uh, rolls over and dies? Uh, She definitely didn't roll over and die as much as Jen did. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, in her exit interview with you, she talked about how she saw like probabilities of each of the people on the tribe voting to save her. And she thought those probabilities had like a cumulative added up to saving her, which I, th- I thought was a really hilarious way to describe the vote. Mm-hmm. You know, she definitely in her Ponderosa videos, she seemed pretty like she had a lot of fight left in her. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we had the amazing quote from Tribal Council where Dan is talking about, you know, Flippers never win. Yeah, three words. Flippers never win. (laughs) And then we get from Haley talking about how this relates to the Revolutionary War, of course. Yeah. As Survivor always does, you know, relate to (laughs) historical events. And she says, you know, we're Chimerica. And what if the colonists never flipped on the greatest empire in the world? How about that? Since we're Tribe America, I think flippers have a great historical record. The America tribe, that they are the ultimate flippers. Yeah. Right. You know, it makes a lot of sense. I don't <laughs> think that argument really worked for her, but it was something. It was something. Okay. And then that's it for Haley Ford in Basically. Worlds of Heart. So that she's trying to get something going, at least, you know, a little bit of a rabble rouser here at the end, but Dan Foley just put that bug out there. Hey, flippers never win, and nobody wanted to uh, flip to join forces with her and Shireen and Joe and Jen at that point in time. So now, here she is uh, coming back for season 34. Uh, First, before we talk about her in this next season, are there any other misconceptions you want to clear up about Haley Ford in terms of how people perceive her? Uh, Really, I think people just don't realize how weird this girl is. She just... How weird is she? How weird is she? She just says so many things that make no sense. Like, talking about surfing being her number three passion in life. Mm-hmm. It's so oddly specific. Yeah. Also, I did some research, and I found out what her uh, top four passions in life are. According to Twitter, surfing has now been bumped down to number four, actually. And do you have a guess for the top three? This is quiz time. I know it's not... People putting their foot in a pot. That's definitely not in the top three. Uh, Did we find out the Constitution was in the top three? The criminal justice system is number three. So we'll count that. We'll count it. A lot of people don't love the criminal justice system. So that's big. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Yeah. maybe she'll have some problems with that. Yeah. Can you give me a hint? Uh, It starts with J. Is it 
Joe Anglum? Nope, it is Jesus. Jesus? Some, oh, some, wow. You could knock me over with a feather. <laughs> some would say Joe and Jesus are interchangeable. So, <laughs> yes. You know, yes. basically. Wow. Number two is friends and family. Okay, wow. So, this, good passions. Yeah, that would have been a good, when I did family feud of the dirty 30 versus the wine <laughs> and cheese of, uh, yeah. yeah, what are the 400 people's survey top four hits on the board? What are Haley Ford's most favorite things uh, in the world? <laughs> All right. So this is a game changer season. Will, as uh, one of the biggest Haley Ford super fans out there, you know everything about Haley Ford. Can you tell me with a straight face, how, how is Haley Ford a quote unquote game changer? Is there anything that you can point to? I mean, I think calling the season game changers is really just a marketing tool. I really don't think Haley Ford is a game changer in all honesty. Mm-hmm. And to try and argue that would be pretty ridiculous. <laughs> okay, but, look, that's a fair answer. That's a fair answer. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. I'll take okay. it. But she's fun. She's a presence that is needed on a season. You know, if this season was just 20 Tonys, it would be chaos. No one would have any idea what was going on. You need the people that are just going to be a positive force in the season. And that's what Haley Ford is best at. Here she comes back to season 34. Will, could you hazard a guess in terms of what we might see differently from her in season 34? Um, I think she's definitely going to be a little more strategically minded. Probably not as much going with the flow. And that might come back to hurt her, as I said earlier. Um, but other than that, I don't know what she could really point to as like her biggest flaw in her first game. Mm-hmm. You know, she really just ended up on the wrong side of the numbers and no real cracks to squeeze into. I think that she is potentially set up well here on a return, but she could certainly overplay that hand. Yeah, I definitely think so. Okay, so let's do a deep dive into the people that she's going to be playing with uh, and see how she's going to fit in with this group. Of course, uh, the one person that she knows is the fan favorite Sierra Dawn Thomas, who is going to start the game on the other tribe? Now, we touched a little bit on her trying to get Sierra to work with her back in season 30. Sierra was not interested. Do you think that that is a positive, negative, or just neutral relationship? Much like Kim, yes, <laughs> found uh, those boxes back in Worlds Apart. Yeah, I definitely think it's on the negative box side of things. Oh, yeah. Why? Um, Why do you, you know, say that? Well, I think if I was Haley, you know, in the exit interview, she sounded very uh, burnt by Sierra. She really thought that Sierra was on their side. Sierra was constantly complaining about how much Dan was misogynistic and talked down to her. And I think she seemed to just be really off put by that whole experience. On the other hand, though, I do think Haley Ford is the type of person to not hold a grudge. So it's with the distance and time since the season has happened, I think she would be willing to at least entertain an alliance with Sierra. So should we be on the lookout for any players that might have some Foley-esque tendencies here in season 34 for people she could butt heads with? Oh, so many. There's Troy Zen, Brad. Okay. Well, going back to, okay, here's here's Troy Zan, who's going to be on her job. Yeah. Do you think that that's potentially a relationship that is going to be problematic for her? Um, I don't know. You know, Troy Zan definitely has some Vince tendencies and Mm -hmm. she didn't get along the best with Vince, but she also wasn't Vince's main adversary. Yeah. 
So I feel like even if she does have some friction with Troy Zan, you know, it's not going to be a relationship that does her in. The Troy Zan thing is tricky because he didn't get along well with the women after a while. But it seems yeah. like when when they when the tribes were divided, he seemed like he was confrontational with them. But then on the swap tribe, he seemed to get along really well with Kim and Chelsea and Sabrina and Kat. Uh, and then once he was down on the numbers, then he got really confrontational again yeah, with you know, them but <laughs> but he works with you know young models who are in their 20s you would think that he has a lot of conversations with women who are Haley's age so you would think that yeah. he could probably talk about some things that you know she would be interested in talking about yeah i don't know if surfing is in Troyzen's top four passions in life but it's got to be up there. probably it's probably up there yeah okay so then in terms of some of these other people who uh she might be potential allies with who stands out to you that would be working with Haley Ford? Uh, definitely Sierra with a C. Yeah, I think so um, too. Sierra's uh, history of allies has always included people around Haley's type. You know, she was with Katie Collins. She was with Kelly Wentworth, Abby Maria. Sierra also always tends to gravitate towards the younger women mm -hmm. and them starting on a tribe together is definitely going to be beneficial for both of them. Yeah, I see that, too. I see them being very friendly. Do you think that Haley Ford could get sucked into uh, the big moves vortex? I sure hope not, <laughs> because <laughs> do not need any. But in this in the story of Haley Ford from Worlds Apart, like by the end, she's sort of like, yeah, we got to flip this thing. We got to make this move. Let's do this. America flipped on Britain. And then, you know, if Sierra is also sort of like in the, the underdog role, which uh, she ended up being in both in both of her seasons, she also gets pretty feisty about sort of like pounding her fist on the table and telling everybody that they need to pull off a flip. Yeah. And that that's where I'm pretty worried about Haley, because she always has been sort of like a chameleon and to reflecting the personalities of the people around her being around Jen Brown and being Jen Brown's ally. I think was one of her biggest flaws in her first game because mm -hmm. that led to her being excluding Nina and, you know, being more of like a mean girl type, yeah, which I really don't think she is. Yeah. Yeah. And then you feel like then towards the end, you feel like that she was more sort of showing a bit more of Shireen's attitude when she's talking about like making moves and trying to flip the numbers. Yeah, I definitely think so. And even when Sierra is talking about, you know, got to make big moves, got to make big moves. That's really something that stems from her realizing that she is on the wrong side of the numbers. And the only way that she can get in a good position is by people making moves that aren't the best for them. So talk to me about some of these other people that are on her tribe. I mean, how well versed in Survivor lore do you think uh, Haley Ford is? Does she know some of these older school players? I mean, when we're talking about older school players, it really just goes back about five years. <laughs> Not that for old. this season, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I watched her. I watched her audition tapes for this. Will Holston very graciously sent them to me and she has applied a couple of times. And oh, I have a very interesting detail to share with you. Yeah. So in Haley Ford's original audition tape that she posted on YouTube, guess who commented on it? Hmm. Um, I will say Adam Klein. No, <laughs> it was Troy Zen. Oh, wow. What did he say? Yeah, he was like, wow, I, I think you would be great on the show. Hope hope you get on. The crowd goes wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Troy Zen probes. 
<laughs> yeah, wow. So yeah. what is he doing? He's just, like, was this post him being on Survivor? Yeah, this was post him being on Survivor. I'm pretty sure he's just pulling a Russell Hance and trying to court all the young females. <laughs> Before they play. Okay, well, maybe yeah, it worked. Getting maybe, ahead of the game. Maybe it worked. Uh, so let's talk about some of the other people that could be working with Haley in her tribe. Yeah, sure. Well, we got Aubrey, who, you know, went very deep with an alliance of women. She was close with Michelle, close with Sydney. And I think that Haley's personality type would work well with Aubrey. I see a lot of Michelle Fitzgerald in Haley, even. Oh, that's interesting. I could yeah. see that. I describe Haley as like a mix of three people. Uh, Michelle Fitzgerald, Shelby Stockton from Big Brother Over the Top. <laughs> Which, I don't know if you want to get into that. But. No, let's not. Okay. And Luna Lovegood from Harry Potter. Okay. All right. Well, you're losing me on the Potter stuff, so I'll just have to go with the first uh, okay. two. Okay. All right. Sorry. All sorry. Right. I apologize. Well, <laughs> yeah. But I could see that. And Aubrey is uh, a little quirky, so I feel like that they could have uh, maybe yeah. some fun uh, together in that group. All right. So, all right. So, it seems like that the young women... Haley Ford is going to get along with um, yeah. of course, uh, Michaela is the fourth younger woman on that tribe. Do you think that that's a fit for her also? I think so. You know, Michaela, she she got along with Hannah, who I see is a little bit similar to Haley. But I definitely think that Michaela also has some Jen Brown in her in terms of being feisty. Mm-hmm. And Haley is always like a good yes woman mm-hmm. to just like for people to vent to. Mm-hmm. And I think that that will help her get along well with Michaela. Do you think it's possible that Haley Ford could be doing some showmancing on season 34? Because we know that Michaela does not like that. You stink. Your <laughs> mouth is nasty. You got sand in your drawers and you kissing somebody. That's disgusting. She hates it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Haley, you know, when she's always skinny dipping, she really might be getting sand in their drawers. So. You'll have to be careful about that. Okay. I did have a I had a preseason call that Haley would end up in a showmance with Ozzy. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, Ozzy's on the other tribe. I don't know why exactly I thought that Ozzy and Haley would get in a showmance, but uh, last season, Ozzy was on. He had the relationship with Semhar and then with Elise. Mm-hmm. Before that, he had one with Amanda yeah. and Alexis, the great Alexis Jones. <laughs> so I feel like Haley is the most visually similar to all of those women. Yeah. So Ozzy is probably going to be pursuing something there at least. Well, let's keep this in terms of Haley. Do you think that she would show Mance on Survivor? See, I don't see her as the type to really get into that. You know, she seems a lot more focused on her career. And I think especially her second time out, she's going to be just really focusing on the win. Yeah, it never seemed like there was any sort of chemistry with her and Joe romantically back in Worlds Apart. So, you know, maybe the right guy just wasn't there, but um, I guess it's certainly on the table. All right. Uh, The other woman who's in that tribe with her is Sandra. Do you think that Sandra is going to be a good fit for Haley Ford? Do you see any Courtney Yates upside for Haley? Man, that's a good point, actually. I do see a little Courtney Yates upside. I think... Sierra Easton is probably more of the snarky Courtney Yates type. Mm-hmm. You know, Sandra just does have a good relationship with the younger women that aren't uh, full of themselves. She liked Krista Hasty too, and yeah. she's uh, wacky. <laughs> I definitely see some Krista Hasty and Haley. Hopefully, Sandra won't. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, America flipped on Great Britain. <laughs> um, Who's ready to change the game? <laughs> 
All right. Will, let's talk about some of these guys. Who do you see here that is going to be a friend to Haley and who's going to be a foe out of these five guys? We got Beast Mode Cowboy, Jeff Varner, Malcolm, Team TV, and Troy Zan. Definitely Malcolm, I think she's going to get along great with. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, he's, you know, similar to Joe, but I think he's just like a more charismatic version of Joe. Yeah, I don't see any reason why they won't get along well. You know, and another thing that's probably I hadn't thought of before was that Malcolm had dated So Kim for a while. And so during the airing of Survivor Worlds Apart. So I'm sure Malcolm has had many run-ins with Haley Ford before. So there's definitely got to be some familiarity there. Yeah, for sure. That's a good good point to bring up. Um, I also think Beast Mode Cowboy and Haley would get along well. Why? You know, Caleb always does well around the pretty girls, or at least he thinks he does. And I feel like he's going to want to gravitate towards her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very chivalrous, I feel like, with these women. I mean, outside of the Amber incident, which, you know, we've seen him interact with probably 10 or 11 different women in the history of reality TV. There was only really one that he ended up having an issue yeah. with. Uh, nine out of ten ain't bad. Yeah, yeah. So with the other ninety percent, he was very cordial. Yeah, you know that the girls in the beauty tribe seem to really like him. And again, if we're saying that uh, Haley has some similarities to Michelle Fitzgerald, then yeah, that's going to be a good start. Yeah, I could see it. Okay, so Beast Mode Cowboy, Malcolm, no problems there. What about Jeff Varner? Jeff Varner, oh man, I have no idea what you even think of Jeff Varner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. You think Haley Ford may not love Jeff Varner? I could see it going either way, really. I mean, Jeff Varner had a good relationship with Abby and Maria. So he, I mean, for a while. At least. Yeah. No, in the yeah. beginning of the game. <laughs> for the like three days. So he has a relationship with the more out there women. Mm-hmm. He seems to get along with them well. For a little bit. For a little bit. You know, Kimmy Kappenberg. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It goes Haley south. It goes south quickly. Yeah, it with goes south. Jeff. Well, talk to me about Tony and Haley. Oh, my God. Haley. Oh, my God. The, the Constitution. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't do it. I can't do this. Uh, <laughs> so I think that Haley and Tony would get along kind of well. Um, I'm trying to think of like a Worlds Apart comparison to Tony. I guess it would probably be Rodney. Yeah, probably Rodney. Rodney's like a young Tony. Yeah, a very young Tony. They got the Boston thing going on. Mm hmm. You know, like a strategically savvy Dan Foley in terms of how out there he is. Well, don't make me hang up on you. Don't, <laughs> don't disparage uh, my team TV like this. Oh, he's very, very much better than Dan. Yes, thank you. Uh, so do you think that yeah. there's any chance that they could get along? I mean, they seem like they have nothing in common, Haley Ford and Tony. Really have nothing in common. I mean, Tony... His allies historically, you know, he got along well with Trish. Didn't get along well with Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Richter. I almost said Cascade. They're basically the same person. Yeah, he didn't matter. get along well with. I wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, he didn't really get along well with Morgan or Alexis, mm-hmm. any of the Beauty Tribe girls. So yeah. I, I don't think they're gonna have any relationship. But I do feel like that he did get along okay with the. Brawn tribe women. It was, you know, uh, the women that were not working around camp. He seemed to get yeah. frustrated with. But the women in his original tribe, you know, and it's not really until the merge uh, with 
the bad blood between him and Sarah. I feel like that yeah. all three of the women from the Braun tribe, I think, were at least uh, positive on Tony. Yeah, yeah. I think they had positive feelings towards him. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see if people still feel that positively towards him after Kageyanis aired and everyone saw his bag of tricks. Okay, so then... Troyzan, you feel like that there is upside here between Haley Ford and Troyzan? Like, it really could go either way. I mean, I feel like there's got to be, you know, Troyzan is going to be trying to pursue something there in terms of alliances. I'm not sure if he remembers commenting on her application video, and I'm not really sure how many application videos Troyzan has commented on. Yeah. Probably all of them, so you <laughs> might not remember. Probably. Maybe we'll hear from other people like, yeah, I applied and Troy Zan commented on my video, too. Yeah. So we'll see. All right. <laughs> so then Haley Ford, she's coming back. Will, can you give us a prediction for Haley Ford? Do you feel like that you think she could make the leap like an Amber, uh, like even a Wentworth and go make a deep run in this game? I'm going to say Haley Ford, sixth place. Sixth place. OK, look, yeah. that would be an improvement on the first time out. Definitely an improvement. I think she's making the merge because, you know, who's going to go after Haley Ford? You know, she's a competent in challenges, at least. So that's not going to be a problem. She d- doesn't get into big fights with anyone. She doesn't, you know, exude negativity or any threatening qualities. Mm-hmm. So I think she's really going to be someone that everyone is trying to, you know, have as a number in their alliance. But I think it's really going to be sealing the deal. I think she's going to end up at the bottom of an alliance and not really be able to overcome that. That is that a sixth place where we're coming away impressed with her game? Or do you think that she's just sort of just lasting to sixth place? I think it's probably going to be the latter, unfortunately, but I'm very hopeful. And do you think that she will be upping the wackiness for the second time around? Is that a possibility? Or do you think that she could get lost in the shuffle with all these big personalities? It might be the Keith Nail issue, where the first time Keith was this really hilarious personality, had so many quirky moments. But then on Cambodia, all he really got was the tuk-tuk scene. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I feel like this season is going to be very strategic. And I'm afraid that Haley won't be able to let her positive light and weirdness shine through. Okay, well, that's what the secret scenes are for. That's Haley that's Ford's right. time to shine. It really is. Yes, that's when she gives us... Don't be a weirdo. Don't be annoying. Don't be inconsiderate. You'll do okay. <laughs> now, Will, I was trying to find the Haley Ford Constitution rap on YouTube, and I wasn't able to find it. I wonder if it got taken down. Yeah, I actually have a link to it on Vimeo. Oh. <laughs> where um, I'll have to send it to you after the show. We'll link to if it. you want to... Yeah. yeah, we'll link to it. We'll link to it. Yeah, so that's too bad. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, I guess the next best thing is I did bring a song I wrote to express my love for Haley. Okay, so you have an original Haley Ford song that you brought with us to a Haley sure Ford do. anthem. Is it like the national anthem? Basically, it's about <laughs> as good as the national anthem. So we'll go with that. All right, here is the original composition from Will from America for Haley Ford. My name is Will from America and you're just my type You're a smart girl and I'm a know-it-all I heard that you write raps, hey, well I write dumb songs But they're not too long, wait till I come on too strong You're a no-collar girl and I'm a white-collar guy They say the flippers never win but you can come to my tribe Like America did, they had a revolution And I have a solution for the hole in your 
that's my proposal to Haley Ford. Wow. Uh, Will, that was fantastic. Oh, thank fantastic you. Thank you. job on that. And now, you know what? You, <laughs> you talked me into this. Now I'm, I'm in on the Haley Ford return just for that. All right. I am very excited to hear that. Jeff Probst is ordained. So, you know, if we ever want to get married at Tribal Council, the man for the job. Yeah. Well, that was uh, really a tremendous job. I'm really, really impressed uh, with that, Will. I hope that you uh, put it up on SoundCloud and we can like uh, get the link. I'm sure people are going to want to listen to that again. So outstanding work. And All right. um, thank you, you know what? Now I'm, I'm, you've gotten me excited here for the Haley Ford return. Will, do you have a hashtag? I think we got to go with Erica Ford. <laughs> Erica Ford. <laughs> the Merge Tribe name. Yeah. The Merge Tribe name. I'm calling in now. <laughs> Erica, let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Will from America, what is your handle on uh, Twitter? Uh, my Twitter name is Cuddly Caucasian. Yes. Which I, <laughs> I made that name when I was in ninth grade. And I, I tried to change it to Will from America, but then Edmo and a bunch of other people got mad. So <laughs> Yes. Leaving it as it is. Yes. Uh, it's more of a Cook Islands uh, name, but we'll, we'll go with it. It is. We'll okay. go with it. All right. Cook Islands won. All right. Well, uh, fantastic work. Anything else you want to let people know before we sign off? Um, no, I just did want to bring up this story that has come out after the game is over. Apparently, um, Nina found an idol that <laughs> Jen and Joe had hidden, but it was actually dried up cow poop that they had like wrapped in a leaf. Mm hmm. And Nina thought it was an idol. And that's definitely my favorite thing to come out of Worlds of Heart. Who did this to Nina? <laughs> Jen and uh, Joe, I believe. Okay, so Jen Haley, we're leaving Jen Haley out of this, right? Haley is excluded from this, okay, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. Don't make me back out on Haley after yeah. you talked me in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, All we're right. still good. Leave Nina alone, everybody. She's a nice lady. Okay. <laughs> All right, Nina well... Lady. Great job uh, once again. Thanks for coming on and doing this deep dive into all things Haley Ford. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing how she does when the Game Changers premiere March 8th. Okay. All right. Thanks for having me, Rob. All right. Take care, Will. Bye. All right, everybody. There you have it. Haley Ford. Great job from Will from America. Will from America. I really I couldn't get over how good that song was. I went back and I was editing this podcast and I really I got chills again just how uh, good it was. It just put so much energy and emotion into it. And I really thought that that was so great. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to lead off with that as part of this first Game Changer Expert series of podcasts. So what we're going to do next is I am going to be back with another one of these We'll have it for you on Monday morning where we are going to hear from my good friend Liana Boris as she is going to break down the three times out for Suri Fields. It's a very fun interview going through everything from the Suri's game. And then we're going to hear from another person that you met during So You Think You Can podcast. Dustin West is going to talk with us about the two seasons from Jeff Varner. And he has some fun stuff some fun observations about Jeff Varner. So a jam-packed Second Game Changers Expert Series podcast coming for you on Monday. Sari and Jeff Varner coming up next. Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about what Adam was saying about Zeke, what Will was saying about Haley, about the format, anything we discussed here today at robhasawebsite.com. And make sure you don't miss the next episode by subscribing to the podcast. Robhasawebsite.com slash iTunes. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.